And we're back for another goddamn episode. So great to uh, think you're out there. I almost said so great to see you, but you know, you can't see us. So It's true. For now. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that would mean that we would actually have to put on pants. Well, yeah. I want shorts. That counts. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, welcome all. What do we got going on today? I don't even know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> you know better than I do. Uh, do we have a... Are we doing a show? I'm out of it. I've had a weird week. <laughs> got a COVID vaccine, even though I'm anti-vax, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> a COVID vaccine, and yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just been a weird week. It know. has. Yeah. So bear with us all. But anyway, uh, back. Um, what do we, we got? We got the news at the beginning. Um, not much, but just a little bit of uh, interesting casting news for the third season of Doom Patrol. Oh-ho. They've announced that uh, the sisterhood of Dada are going to be on the show. Okay. The characters in the comic, the, I think in the comic book, they're the brotherhood of Dada. And I don't know, I don't know if they change eventually. There's a weird team. All connected to Grant Morrison weirdness. So, <laughs> anyway, it would be cool to see them. Uh, but then the other big news, this is, like, crazy to me because of the implications of it. They've cast the Dead Boy Detectives from Sandman. Okay. Are going to be on Doom Patrol. Oh, okay. I'm, all, I'm wrapping my little brain around that. So there's a couple things about that. Number one, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, fucking crossover. So, but then it also makes me think, well, these are two different, you know, one's on HBO Max, one's on Netflix, so I'm guessing the Dead Boy Detectives aren't going to be on Sandman. Obviously not initially, because the first season is only covering the first three books. In fact, just last week, Neil Gaiman mentioned that they are currently filming Doll's House. All right. Um, And he specifically said that... Somebody was cast in it. It was an actor that I'd not heard, and he didn't say what role it was. So, <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, because of that, Dead Boy Detectives aren't going to be on Sandman yet. But, um, so, my initial thought, crossover. But then, I realized that back in the early 90s, Gaiman wrote, well, didn't necessarily write the whole thing, but he spearheaded Vertigo's first and only intercompany crossover for all of their stories. It was called The Children's Crusade. Uh, and it was kind of a new starting point for Books of Magic, kicked off the ongoing series. And then it crossed over with Animal Man, Doom Patrol, Black Orchid. Um, fuck. There was one more, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it crossed over with all those books. So I'm thinking that maybe they're going to adapt Children's Crusade, bring in the Dead Boy Detectives and Dorothy Spinner. Who knows? Maybe a, maybe a Black Orchid character or two. You never know. But that's an interesting casting news for me. That is. We shall see. Be interesting to see how that develops. I gotta fucking find out what that other book was. <laughs> now I'm annoyed. <laughs> Must know this. God damn you. <laughs> not, just li- okay, Swamp Thing. That was the last one. Okay. Yeah, so there was a Children's Crusade issue one, then Black Orchid, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol, Arcana, which was the Books of Magic restart. And then Children's Crusade number two. 
And here we are. And then that entire series, I mentioned this last week, just briefly, that entire series, kind of a failure. Mm-hmm. It sold really poorly. Nobody really cared about it. And it convinced Vertigo to get away from the comic book format of crossovers and everything connected. Mm-hmm. So they went more in their own direction. But years later, in I think 2010, the series was rewritten to an extent. Um, Gaiman oversaw a rewriting and redrawing of the middle half or middle section of the book Mm -hmm. and then re-released it as one more coherent story called Free Country. Oh, I have not read that. I've heard of it. Yeah, it was released as as a graphic novel. And I've started to read Free Story, or sorry, uh, Free Country. Did I say Free Country the first time? You did. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to read Free Country like three times, and each time I do it, I'm like, I put it down after like five pages, and I'm like, I'm going to read the original version first, then I'm going to read this. And I never have. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you just might have to read Free Country first, then the original version. <laughs> it's also been adapted into prose as well. Last week I mentioned those Books of Magic. Um Young adult novels. Yes. It was, it was adapted into that series, too. Oh, okay. So weirdly, Free Country, or, yeah, Free Country, Children's Crusade, whatever. It's already been told three times. It's weird. That is kind of weird. Comic book, comic remake, and then uh, prose. So anyway, that would be cool to see it on the Doom Patrol show, if that's the way they're going. That would probably be what I'd put my money on. But who knows? Maybe they'll just fucking pop up and be like, we're ghosts, we're kids, we're going to fucking solve stuff. But maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when does the season three come out? I don't think they have said. Well, we wait with much anticipation. Probably late, either late this year or early next year. I think season two came out, what, like November last year? Maybe earlier? I think so. I was late to that train, but once I got on it, it's a good place to be. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think I have any other news, but I do have a new installment of... Colby's got issues. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This will be recurring, folks. (laughs) So, today's issues, um, thanks in no small part to Cyberspace Comics for helping me with my issues. (laughs) I finished collecting a miniseries for Vertigo Verite called The Unseen Hand. I don't know anything about it, again. <laughs> and in fact, I can't even see where the writers are because they only list their last name. It says Laban, Ilya, and Parks. A wee bit of mystery and intrigue. With covers by Danielle Torres? Da- Daniel Torres? I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was an E, but I think it's an S. So yeah, uh, Unseen Hand. That's going to be something I'll read eventually. It'll be on the, on the pile. Okay. What else you got? Then I mentioned this the other day, just offhand also, but now it's official because I put all my issues together. It's uh, Books of Fairy, Molly's story. This is one of the Books of Magic spinoff. Oh, yeah. Molly's one of the main characters in the ongoing Books of Magic series, and this is her little spinoff story, uh, written by John Nay Reber, who wrote Books of Magic, the ongoing. And it looks cool. Books of Fairy was uh, a spinoff of kind of Sandman and Books of Magic that focused on the... There was an original miniseries called Books of Fairy, then there was one called Oberon's Tale, and Molly's Story, each one focusing on a different character and story within the realm of fairy. Okay. And then the last series that I've recently finished collecting is American Freak. 
which is our early 90s Vertigo book um, that is a spinoff from Swamp Thing. It's called American Freak, uh, A Tale of the Unmen. You know, the unmen are arcanes, creatures in Swamp Thing. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. This is uh, about one of them. Oh, nifty. And then eventually, later on, there was an ongoing series called The Unmen. I don't think it's necessarily specifically related to that, other than they're both just Swamp Thing adjacent. But regardless, now I'm going to start connecting, collecting that book. <laughs> the issues grow and grow. Yeah, the issues never, the issues never get smaller. Always get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and why would you want to get over them? They're so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm deep, stuck deep in my issues. <laughs> and yeah, it's going to be a long time before I deal with all these issues. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. If you've got issues out there, let us know. As long as they're the good kind, the fun kind. Yeah, no more micropenis issues. We're over that. The joke's gone. <laughs> Just want to get back to my normal life. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> Stop harassing this poor man. Well, yeah, you got some good issues there. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Thank you to our, our, uh, our, what would you call him, muse, dealer, provider? Yeah, dealer, sure. <laughs> Thank you to the dealer. Um, addiction specialist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's a good title. <laughs> All right, so now the main thrust of the show. We're going to be talking about our wannabe adaptations again. Last week, we spent some time talking about Vertigo stories that we want to see adapted onto the big screen or... The small screen, or, I mean, let's face it, most, most screens are pretty big now. Am I right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about that. Um, we last went through a few. I've got a whole fuckload more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep well from which to draw. Yeah. Spent some time going through the old Vertigo Encyclopedia, which you can never go wrong with. I'm looking at some random miniseries and ongoings that would be fun to see. Oh, I almost bought that the other day. Why I Hate Saturn? <laughs> I like the Kyle, title. Kyle Baker book. I have a, one Kyle Baker book on my list. Maybe I should start with that one. Go for it. Oh, King David. I did just buy that one. It's another Kyle Baker one. <laughs> <laughs> I bought that at the local shop, uh, Merlin's. It's not fucking in here. <laughs> How can that be? H. Ah, there it is. Why does that do that? It goes, look at this. It goes, Hellblazer, House of the Borderlands, I Die at Midnight, I Paparazzi, all this, I, and then Hellblazer. Hmm. <laughs> it's like some pages got switched or something. That's fucking dumb. Anyway, <laughs> my pick is I Die at Midnight by Kyle Baker. And what is that about? So it's this weird pseudo comedy dark i mean it's really dark comedy <laughs> um about this guy who commits suicide he overdoses on pills i think it's because his girlfriend leaves him and it's at the on the year 2000 like uh, um midnight you know new year's eve mm -hmm. and he uh overdoses on pills i i uh, it's been a while since i've read it so i'm Think, I think it's because his girlfriend left him. And then she shows up and is like, I want to reconcile. And so he's trying to maintain like everything's cool while he's 
like the clock is ticking for him to die. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's all these pratfalls of him trying to like, you know, like a, it's like a sitcom. Like, oh, come on in. We'll have dinner. And he's trying to get dinner going while he's runs into the bathroom to try to make himself vomit. And then she knocks on the door to see if he's okay. And then he has to come out, you know, and it's like just weird, really dark humor that is fucking hilarious. And the main character looks exactly like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> just with Kyle Baker's overly cartoony style. And um, I would love to see something like that turned into like a really low-budget, like, dark comedy. That sound, I would watch that. It feels like a, like a dark comedy you'd see on like Showtime in the 90s. Mm-hmm. One of those low-budget movies that you missed in theaters and just shows up one afternoon. You're like, yeah, sure, I'll watch this. <laughs> and then you end up loving it. I don't know. I've got a lot of those movies from my childhood that I was probably too young to watch that I just stumbled upon. Like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> if your parents knew you were watching it. Like one that springs to mind immediately is The Last Supper. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, Cameron Diaz and... Um, is she in it? I think so. I th- yeah, I think you're Ron right. Perlman? Yes. Yes. Group they, of friends. They kill people. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The super dark comedy. And, and again, I'd never even heard of that movie until it like popped up on like Cinemax when I was a kid in like 1999. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, whatever, what's this? It looks funny. And then like being way too young to watch it, but just being like, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomfortably laughing through it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I haven't seen that movie probably since like 1999. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I Die Midnight. Just watch that. Same thing. Same movie. Um, <laughs> I, I li- really like the concept. Uh, I think the guy, and you're gonna have to give me his name. The guy who um, uh, directed uh, Murder Party. Uh, Jeremy Saulnier. Yes. You think he'd do a good job with that? Yeah, sure. Probably. I don't know. He's kind of out of that. Maybe Jeremy Saulnier, like, immediately after Murder Party. But now he's, he's kind of, he's too big for that. He's, oh, all, he's, all, he's all about the prestige films now. What was the last thing he did? Was it the one set in Alaska? Cold is the night, cold is the dark. Yes. See, the cold is the night or cold is the dark. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. the one with Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yes. He's really intense, you know. He's a little, a little past the kind of horror comedy and just straight psychological horror. Green Room. <laughs> I love Green Blue Room. Blue Ruin. None of these movies have the comedic bite that Murder Party had. And I love them all, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't know. I'm sure there's somebody that could make a really good version of this movie. I would watch it. It sounds good. Well, speaking of crazy weeks, this is not an excuse, but it's a reason. Um, yeah, we were talking earlier. Uh, folks, I totally thought we were doing something different than what we're currently doing. So this is going to be a... Uh, uh, Drunken waltz all over the map. So just stick with me. <laughs> You're just going to uh, I think we should adapt the first issue of Transmetropolitan. Yes! <laughs> and then after that, the second issue of Transmetropolitan. <laughs> you know what's really good and deserves a movie? The third issue of Transmetropolitan. No, um, <laughs> my first pick is uh, Sickness in the Family by uh, Denise Mina, art by Antonio Fuso. It's, I don't know that. Is it one of the Vertigo crime books? It's it's not really a crime book. It is kind of a murder it mystery. It doesn't matter. Vertigo had a whole subline of crime books. One of them was a Hellblazer story that had nothing to do with crime. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, okay. Um, it might be. I just remember Denise Mina wrote something for that. Oh. And I, I don't know if this is the, what you're thinking of or not, but... It could be. There she is. Huh, nothing shows up <laughs> on her comic section. <laughs> she, 
So what's it called? A Sickness in the Family. Yes. And it's like a murder mystery slash Christmas story slash family drama slash supernatural whodunit. A Sickness in the Family? Yeah. Yeah, it is Vertigo Crime. Oh, good call. Good call. It's weird that it didn't show up. It only shows up on Amazon. Funky. But no, it's it's dark, it's funny, it's spooky. Um, the Family Usher. Haha. Oh, I get it. <laughs> like, I see what you did there, Denise. <laughs> After reading her run on Hellblazer, I'd say that's about as clever as she's ever been. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't like her run I on Hellblazer. I fucking hated it. One of the worst things I ever read. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but I'm not going to I'm not going to prejudge anything else she read or she wrote. She's had a very uh, uh, long career in novels and comics, so I'm, it was probably just an off run, you know. <laughs> it could have been, and I haven't, I haven't read it, so I can't say. But I did really like A Sickness in the Family. Yes. Um, and it starts out, uh, you know, like most family dramas, like just people getting together for Christmas, and you can kind of tell that there's certain fissures and tensions in the family, just like there is with any regular family. Um, but then people start to die violently. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> exactly. Does any house fall on anyone? You know, I don't think it does. Does anyone get buried prematurely? You'll have to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a no. <laughs> but I'd watch that. I think it would make a good movie. Huh, yeah, all right. Sickness in Denise Mina. I mean, the family. <laughs> Depending on which of her works you're reading. All right, how about you? My next one is a character that has been around in DC for a long time, but probably to modern readers, he's most well-known. He, they are most well-known for Books of Magic. Okay. This character is Dr. Occult. And this is a character that I've always found really interesting because... This is essentially a trans character. Oh, really? It goes back to 1935. Oh, wow. But there's not a... I don't know how to describe it. The character's not actually... Not really trans. I mean, not physically what we would consider to be trans. You know, It's a person who has like two spirits living within themselves. A man and a woman. And sometimes the male comes out, sometimes it's the woman. And uh, in Books of Magic... Dr. Occult and the other half are, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Tim Hunter's guide through the books of fairy. Oh. And what's interesting to me in that story is depending on where they are, Tim either sees Rose or Dr. Occult. Different aspects of the character come out. And I, I don't know if that was always the character's backstory. Um, Supporting. It looks like Rose and uh, Dr. Occult were originally partners, and then somehow they got merged or whatever. But I think it would be really cool to adapt this character as a trans detective. Like a supernatural trans detective, where on the outside looks male or female, I don't know, you could go either way, and then have the inside, like maybe their spirit comes out and they converse together or something like that. It would just be an interesting visual way to represent transsexuality. That would be cool. Yeah. So like a miniseries, you think? Yeah, or a movie, or I don't know, anything really. I just, it's a cool character, 
And I would like to see the character in more things. So far, Dr. Colt's only showed up in a video game. Mm, there you go. <clears throat> and, and nowadays, Dr. Colt is way more connected with Vertigo books because of Books of Magic than the old school DC uh, universe. I mean, granted, he's showing up in the new 52 and whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I just think it would be a cool character to adapt. And especially, like, if they ever did a proper adaptation of Books of Magic, I think it would really be cool to have the temp, uh, the trench coat brigade in there, but with Dr. Occult be female. Like, Rose Psychic as Dr. Occult with a trench coat and a little fedora. <laughs> <laughs> that could be really intriguing. And the time is right for this kind of character. And it's also, like, it's it's kind of a shame that most people know the character from Books of Magic only because the other members of the Trenchcoat Brigade are so much more visually interesting. Oh, yeah. And you've got John Constantine, you've got Phantom Stranger, Mr. E, who's a dude in all white with glasses and uh, carrying around a fucking wooden stake all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got Dr. Colt, which is just a dude in a trench coat and a hat. And the the combination of all those characters, they like their interplay is cool, but of the four, Dr. Colt's probably the least visually interesting. But but that said, Books of Magic also did wonders to get this character, you know, known. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's not like it's not like the book has it's not like the book was a bad thing for the character. It's just a shame that you know that, that Doctor Cult isn't isn't more well known, more overshadowed. But no, I think it 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 would be a great time to since so there are so many trans actors now who yeah. are you know okay with being trans and it's fine. I think this would be a great character to actually do something with. It would be fun to really dig into the, like, the psyche. Again, the kind of the, the dichotomy of woman in a male body or male in a female body. And I just think that would be, it would be interesting to, to view through the lens of, like, the supernatural or superhero or whatever. Someone get on it. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Someone smarter than me. Make it, make it good. Yes. <laughs> do it and make it good. <laughs> Don't mess this up. Good pick, sir. All right, how about you? What's next? If you will hand me the holy encyclopedia. <laughs> Transmetropolitan. <laughs> yeah. Year of the Bastard. Now, um, my next one is actually, and I'm going to mispronounce it, so just be patient with me. Uh, get Giro. 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 Yes, okay. Um, and I am not going by alphabetical order. It's either in the back or it's not in there. Because Wait, what year did that come out? I think it was, well, it was like right before Anthony Bourdain died. No, it was a ways before. Was but, it? Uh, that, this came out in, what, 2008? Oh, yeah, so it wouldn't be in here then. Not even on Wikipedia. I typed in Get Jiro and it uh, just took me to Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yes, uh, Get Jiro by Anthony Bourdain and uh, Joel Rose. It came out in 2012, so that would be after the this. Yes, okay. So All right, pardon me. All the heck. Now that we have some semblance of direction. It's basically a book about how a futuristic L.A. Um, where chefs basically run Los Angeles like they're uh, crime bosses. And uh, it's like a culinary war is going on. <laughs> it's like you've got all these different factions. Like you have different... Uh, sections of of um, food like there's the internationalists and they blend foods from all over the globe and whatnot and like that 
culinary fusion that is really popular in a lot of restaurants. And then you've got more traditionalists, like this is how this specific food is made and this is how it should be made. And so it's a really fun book for food lovers. And then it just has this outrageous action and violence set on top of it. Yeah. And it's all about food. So um, I think there would be some fantastic food porn and some fantastic action scenes in that. I would watch it. Sounds good, yeah. I have not read it yet. Uh, it's been on my list forever. Actually, like, shortly before he died. Like, it was weird timing. Like, a day or two before he died, I ordered that book on Amazon. Oh. And then he died, and then it didn't ship because then it was, like, fucking sold out. And they were, like, backed up on orders. So I just uh, canceled my order. I was like, I'll do it later. <laughs> it feels weird. It's like, it would have felt weird to get that in the mail, like, days after he died and uh, try to read it then. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain. I've loved all of his shows, and that would be a fun read. It really is. I, I have a good time with There's it. There's a sequel, too, of Blood and Sushi. I haven't read Blood and Sushi. It came out, oh, like, 2016, maybe, a few years later. Okay. Um, it came out in... Just fucking show me. 2015. <laughs> <laughs> so that one then came out not too long before he... He died in 2018, so... <laughs> I keep thinking that he died farther back, but yeah. not too long ago. But no, it is it is just a terrifically fun book. And again, the thing that we love about Anthony Bourdain, there was many things to love about the guy... But he loves food so much and he had so much respect for it. But in this book, he totally is like poking the pretentiousness of food culture yeah. in the eye. And yeah, it's a good book. It's what I, one of the things I loved about his shows, like specifically Parts Unknown. And, and I mean, really, it's in No Reservations too. But just the idea that travel and good food don't necessarily equal, like, hot cuisine, you know? Yes, exactly. It's, it's like, the best food he eats are with normal working people in, you know, holes in the wall. Right. And that was something that I think, I don't know, about 2006 or seven or something, watching No Reservations, that really informed my ideas for travel in the future. Mm-hmm. And just that, like, I don't want to be a fucking tourist. I want to be like Anthony Bourdain. I want to meet people and eat food in back alleys and shit, you know? I'm like, that's totally, I've done that. <laughs> traveling to Hong Kong and uh, finding this place called, I don't even know the name of it, because I just knew the owner, this guy named Mr. Wong, who literally set up a table in his alley for my sister and I and her friends. To, he cooked us a big feast and refused to let us pay. Oh, wow. So we actually snuck in <laughs> and distracted him. My sister distracted him while I stuffed a bunch of money in the till. <laughs> Like reverse robbing him. <laughs> take it, take yeah, our money. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah, exactly. And like shit like that. You know, like you're not you're not gonna have a story like that if you go to some expensive ass restaurant and fucking you know, the Louvre or whatever. <laughs> right, right. That you have to make reservations for eight months in yeah, advance. Exactly. That's cool. The legend lives on. And that actually just the name get Jiro. Have you ever heard of the movie Jiro Dreams of Sushi? Have you ever I seen have, it? I haven't seen it though. It's a really cool documentary about a sushi chef, just this Little dude who's been cooking or cooking, making sushi for like 70 years. Oh, he's been doing it since he was preteen. Oh <laughs> and uh, he's just this, like, he has very simple ingredients, very simple style, but he's a fucking master at it. Mm. And he has this little tiny restaurant in like a strip mall. But because 
he's so good at his craft, it's lined up, you know, years in advance just to get a spot. Uh-huh. Even though it's just simple, easy food. <laughs> well, not easy, but <laughs> to him, it's like the easiest thing in the world, you know? He can do it asleep, probably. Yeah, it's a really profoundly interesting documentary. Uh, I don't even know if that guy's still alive, but his restaurant is, uh, it's like a destination. Like Somebody explains that it's worth traveling to Japan from anywhere in the world just to eat his sushi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, I haven't had sushi for so long. I haven't had it in a few days. I eat it all the time. He's <laughs> got Uber Eats, man, whatever. <laughs> I live next to Idaho. You know how hard it is to find sushi in rural Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> you can find it. It's just fried chicken. That's what it's, just... <laughs> it's trout. It's trout. <laughs> yeah. Just here's a as a double cheese sushi. <laughs> Extra pickles, <laughs> which has its place, but it's no substitute for the real thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> please. All right, back to the topic. <laughs> My next one is Orbiter. Remember right. that? So it's a graphic novel by Warren Ellis, and where did the writer's name go? I just fucking lost it. Anyway, okay. <laughs> it's a graphic novel by Warren Ellis and Colleen Doran, and it's a story, like it's set in the future after NASA and the space program have like crumbled, and really it's like a, it's like a dystopian future where the U.S. has just fallen into ruin. 2017, <laughs> the distant future of a couple years ago, <laughs> and uh, it's all about this this space shuttle that got lost on a mission, and then it suddenly comes crashing down back to Earth. And this series was actually released, was it a couple months or weeks, shortly after the Columbia space shuttle disaster, oh. which is like terrible fucking timing (laughs) because it literally within the first few pages features a space shuttle falling out of the sky and exploding on the ground you know Uh, Uh (laughs) and so anyway these this shuttle comes back to earth nobody knows what the deal is where it's been um it's got a bunch of alien technology like fused with it and it's so it's part mystery part sci-fi weird story about like exploring the universe and kind of man's potential for exploration and wonder and all it's dark, it's hopeful, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a really cool story, and I, I don't know, I hope we read it one of these days. We should. It's got, it's got really, like, a weird, oh, like, H.R. Giger alien aesthetic Ooh. to some of it, like, it's, the alien design is really organic and red and dewy, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, uh... At one point, somebody cuts off a piece of the shuttle and it like bleeds. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And like this shuttle has like sinew and muscle and stuff now. That's so, cool. Yeah, nobody, nobody knows why. They're trying to figure it out. It's a cool story that would be fun to see in live action. Good pick. So, all right, I'm, I'm trying to, the, the writer. Um, Warren Ellis. No, 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 no. Um, the, the, excuse me, the artist, Colleen. Doran. Doran. Yeah, what else has she done? I don't know. <laughs> I just, and I just closed the books. So I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the name sounded really, really familiar. Yeah, I, I don't know. There was something there, too, but I don't remember. <laughs> Welcome back to you I later. I can only keep so much in my mind. <laughs> That's fair. That's understandable. <laughs> Especially with the way this, uh, this day is going so far. All right. I'll just jump in, then. I would like to nominate... Oh, what is it called? 
See? See, this is a, we're off to a great start already. Uh, 99 days. 99 days. I don't know that. 99 days. It is probably due for a update to modern times. Um, I liked it when it first came out, uh, but I reread it not too long ago. Who wrote 99 days? Um, Mark, what's his name? Uh, Matteo Casale. And the artist was uh, Christian Donaldson. It came out in 2011. Hmm. It's kind of a noir. It's not a vertigo crime. You would think it would be, but no, it, I, I don't. I don't think it is. But then, you know, I will. I will secede to you, the expert. Um, <clears throat> vertigo crime, ninety-nine days. <laughs> of course it is. And course. that's funny. I was actually just looking at this earlier, but I forgot uh, that I saw that cover. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. <laughs> yeah, ninety-nine days, vertigo crime. There you go. It, uh, it, it's not bad. There's some people who really rag on it because, um, they, uh, well, you know, some of the way that, um, minorities are portrayed are, are kind of like just outdated. And I don't know what, what, um, you know, the creator, uh, Matteo Casali, I don't know what his background is. I don't know what inspired him to write this. So if anyone out there is better acquainted with his work than me, you know, no offense, he just, he just really hates minorities. He That's really hates minorities. Um, <laughs> but the concept is really interesting. Um, it's uh, this uh, young guy. Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Antoine Boshoso Davis, who he's a homicide detective for the Los Angeles Police Davis Department. Davis is kind of a rough name to translate. It is. It is. <laughs> Especially when you've only had one cup of coffee. Go easy on me. <laughs> Um, he is a Hutu from Rwanda mm-hmm. and he was forced to be a, a child soldier and he did a bunch of horrible things, but he was able to come over to America and be adopted by a foster family. He uh, is just going about his life, trying to live the best he can. Then of course, someone starts uh, stalking African-American residents of LA and killing them with a machete, like what he did when he was a soldier. Huh. Um, and so it's a whodunit and uh, about this guy who has to come to grips with this really horrible, traumatic past. And again, some of the characterizations, it's like, oh, man, that's a little, that's a little, um, you know, a, a grand theft auto. You can, you can go easy a little. But I think if you gave it to a really good screenwriter, they could make a really compelling, interesting movie. Interesting. Yeah, I have not read this. I actually, I've not read many of the Vertigo crime subgenre because I did not like the ones that I did. <laughs> I, I've only, I've only read two. I read oh, the Hellblazer one called Dark Entries. Was that the one that Denise Mina did? No, uh, it was written by Ian Rankin. He's oh. like a really well-known British novelist mm-hmm. who. Years before that story came out, I, I heard him on an interview on NPR where he was talking about one of his, his like detective character who he was retiring and fans were pissed off. I don't know the character, but anyway, and he was like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm getting to write Hellblazer, which is like my favorite comic book. He's like, I'm so excited. I'm getting to write that. that I just got hired, you know, I've got the story going. It's going to be so cool. And then like, that was like six years went by and nothing. And then that story was like just dropped in the first round of vertigo crime 
And I was, I'm pretty sure, because of the way it's paced and the way it, it's written, like, it doesn't make sense that it's a graphic novel. It should have been, a, you know, like, four or five issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure he wrote them, or he wrote it, Vertigo, like, looked at it and just sat on it for a while and then just dumped it as a graphic novel. And it doesn't even say Hellblazer on it. So in that interview, he's talking about how much how excited he is that he's getting to write Hellblazer, and then technically he never did. <laughs> and then I was like, ah, oh, poor guy. But it's it's this weird story about John going on a reality show in hell. <laughs> so yeah, a crime story clearly about uh, <laughs> demons watching a reality show. Sure, because <laughs> why not? With a bunch of like damned souls, and I don't know. It was it didn't really grab me. The, like the the reveal of that. Is supposed to be like this big shocking. Oh my god, they're in hell! I'm like, yeah, it's fucking Hellblazer, dude. This is his tenth time there. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. No one's surprised by this. <laughs> so I don't know, just that. And then the other one I read was called Section Something about psychics. <laughs> uh, fuck, what's the name of that one? And that was a Vertigo crime one too. Yeah, exactly. The two that I read <laughs> weren't really much about crime. Huh. Let me look that up. It was called Section Eight or something like that. Sounds kind of like they're playing fast and loose with the definition of crime. They re-release History of Violence as Vertigo Crime. That makes sense. It does, <laughs> yes. And it's a good place for that book. Mochiroha. Now there's dark entries. Filthy Rich I haven't read, but I wanted to. Red Perdition was also re-released as oh. Vertigo Crime. That's cool. There, Area 10. That's the one oh, I read. Okay. It's about, like, fucking putting, like, trippening, you know, like drilling holes in your skull. Mm-hmm. To become psychic or something. Again. I I think there was maybe a cop in it, so that's why it's crime, I guess. (laughs) I guess vertigo crime sounds better than vertigo (laughs) pseudo-medicine. Vertigo holistic medicinery. (laughs) It sounds cozy. So, but in terms of, besides being miscategorized, was it any good? I think it was fine. I read it at the library here. I remember. That's all I remember about it. That and there's fucking nails and skulls. The end. <laughs> Are we? Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's fine. It just wasn't, wasn't for me. Probably because it was Vertigo Crime and it shouldn't have been. <laughs> Makes me so mad. <laughs> order, people. Order. What you got? All right, my next one is Kid Eternity. It's another character that's been around forever. Not even always a Vertigo character or a DC character. Right. Started in a completely different um, publisher. Then he was like lumped in with the Fawcett characters for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid who, the titular kid, had the last name Freeman for a long time in DC Comics, which made him related to Freddie Freeman, who is Captain Marvel Jr., Shazam Jr. or whatever the fuck they're calling him now. Stupid ass Shazam name. It's fucking dumb. We've we've already talked about it. Just call him Captain Thunder. If you can't use Captain Marvel, call him Captain Thunder. Just do it. Anyway. Sorry, I just blacked out for a second. What happened? So Kid Eternity. So Kid Eternity has the power to say Eternity and conjure up a historical character, a person, to, right. to help him out of whatever jam he's in. And the first, like, quote, Vertigo story was actually in the 80s, pre-Vertigo. It was a miniseries written by Grant Morrison um, that kind of turned this character's history into, like, a deeper... It was deeper connected to the DC lore about the, 
lords of order and chaos and demons and pedophiles and like it just made it really like needlessly dark but kind of in a fun way <laughs> like, it wasn't so dark that you couldn't enjoy it and it was all about him uh kind of i don't know there's a serial killer story threaded throughout it you don't know who that is and then the end is revealed it's not much of a spoiler because it actually doesn't impact the main story very much but it's actually revealed that the serial killer is jack the ripper Okay. That he conjured Jack the Ripper into existence Oops. and forgot about it. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a big upset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so then a- after that, the character had an ongoing series by I think Anne Nascenti. It was under the Vertigo banner, and mm-hmm. it's uh, more I don't know, like like it had a more interesting long form story arc for the character. But then a couple years ago. By a couple years ago, I mean like 2010 or so. It was after the New 52, so like 2011. The New 52 brought the character back for a one-shot, which was like that show, what was it called? Pushing Daisies? Yeah. Maybe? Where you bring people back to life? Like I talk so. to them. So in that, Kitty Eternity could touch a dead body and like bring them back briefly to find out how they were killed. Okay. And so then he was like a, you know, solve murders that way and stuff. I think that would have been a really good procedural type show for like the CW because <laughs> it's you could do that with a super low budget you can have a fucking murder every week and have the kid find out who did it by touching the dead body it could have been Lucifer you know you could have <laughs> you could have taken the supernatural cop drama or whatever and really easily applied it to Kid Eternity instead of fucking Lucifer <laughs> <laughs> uh, here here I haven't read any Kid Eternity but I agree with you wholeheartedly on that but regardless none of that's Vertigo I think the Vertigo stuff would be really cool to see but it would be really hard because it's very experimental and very I don't know otherworldly like there's not much action it's a lot of talking and visiting other realms and it's all in your brain, dude. <laughs> Just, you know, mid-80s Grant Morrison stuff. <laughs> it can be a good time, but it has to be done just so. Huh? Yeah. But anyway, I, I just think it's a character with a lot of potential, and I would like to see it. In fact, a few years ago on my old website, I had an, a column called The Unadapted, which is all about characters, comic book characters, who had not shown up in movies or TV yet. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a whole thing about Kid Eternity and why he should be. There you go. So check out Comic Book Media. Sure, or don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it's a good website, so there. Okay, Kid Eternity. And I like the name, too. Yeah, it's a great name. It is. You can't go wrong he with that. He's a cool look, too. He wears a, he's always got little, like, John Lennon-style sunglasses and just a completely white bodysuit with a little red sash and a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> So you can pick him out from a crowd. Yeah, and uh, he actually, the character in the original continuity character died in the first issue of Justice Society, or JSA, rather. I was going to say Justice Society, but back then it was JSA. Um, He dies in the same issue as Wesley Dodds. Oh, really? Like, show like the fucking Vertigo Kid Eternity. (laughs) Where is he? Vertigo. What have you done with him? Anyway, here's the picture I always think of. Oh, how <laughs> nice yes. that is. Yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> anyway, Kitty Eternity. I want to see that. It could be good. Yeah, it wasn't in the second. Oh, and Sean Phillips did the art. Uh, the art is cool. I like that. All right. Wait, he might not have all the art. Maybe it's just that issue. Oh, it says Phillips still. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> 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 Sh- 
<laughs> There's never been a picture of Kid Eternity that was not drawn by Sean Phillips. I'm saying it now. Here you go. <laughs> oh, there's when he died. <laughs> he get, almost gets the whole word out. <laughs> and then too late. Turn it black. <laughs> you got to talk fast in a fight situation. <laughs> okay. Um, the last one that I actually have, and hopefully we're up to an hour. <laughs> Not even close. And what's next? <laughs> actually, this is um, this is a verted don't for me. Um, stop. Yeah, verted stop. <laughs> verted stop. Verted don't go. And this is because just like Colby thinks that, uh, um, you know, call him fucking Captain Thunder. I have a real problem with vampire stories that are done poorly. Because I love vampires and they are a pretty, I feel like a a pretty, I don't want to say easy, but they're a a long established um, legend and entity and folklore that, you know, kind of just takes care of itself and you can build your story around that. And it doesn't take a lot to build an interesting story. But anyway, uh, Bite Club. Oh, yeah, Bite Club. I have the first issue of that. I never read any more. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not missing much. Um, it's, I like that Frank Quietly cover, though. Oh, it's a great cover. <laughs> the art is good. The art is good. And um, there, there could be people out there who love it and think it's fantastic. It's just not necessarily for me. Um, it's kind of like Jersey Shore with vampires. Yeah. If uh, the Jersey Shore cast were mobsters, so it, uh, it, it like I know that there are some people who think that oh it's taking on um, the immigrant experience and racial profiling, and I would argue okay, but only at the most shallow of levels. It's mostly like really hot um, vampire chick who is trying to be the head of her crime family, running around without a top on, um, dropping the f bomb. Did you mean big buns more fun? Because that came up when I typed in Bite Club. Oh my god. Well, you know, I can't judge. I haven't seen that. <laughs> and it might it might hold more social impact. <laughs> I love how, so I type in Bite Club. I get that. Then I get a children's book called The Two Bite Club. <laughs> oh, well. A food pyramid for preschoolers. <laughs> the Spanish version. Oh, Aha. There, there's the English one. <laughs> and there's actual Bite Club. There she is. I think, don't quote me, but I think that cover is done by Frank, Frank Quietly. Oh, there you go. Yes. Yes. I, think I said that just a minute ago. You did not. I think so. <laughs> Maybe. Check the replay. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential here for this to be a fun vampire show in the same vein as True Blood before True mm-hmm. Blood totally jumped the shark. Um, never seen any of True Blood. <laughs> oh, the first couple seasons are really well done, and they're a lot of fun, and they're very campy. And the then... most I know about True Blood is 2008 is when it started. 2008, 2009, whatever. Comic-Con 2008, there was, like, True Blood merch everywhere. Oh, really? And they had this, like, on, like, the Comic-Con pamphlet or fucking whatever it's called. And this is San Diego Comic-Con, by the way. Now there's Comic-Cons everywhere, so you have to specify. <laughs> SDCC. One of the, like, programs had a big True Blood ad on the back, and it was just the bottom half of, like, a bloody vampire mouth. So I have a picture of my friend JR doing this with, like, <laughs> covering his mouth. <laughs> that's, that's, so whenever somebody says J, or, whenever somebody says True Blood, I just immediately think, oh, yeah, the fucking, the picture with JR. <laughs> Because I have not seen a single second of that show. <laughs> That's all I think of. I was a big fan for a while, but it just got too ridiculous and dumb for me in the end. 
Um, but no, you could take um, you could take a Bite Club because it does have some good concepts. It's written by Howard Chaikin. Yes, thank you. And David Tishman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not <laughs> even guys. not even looking at it. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> well done, sir. And it could be fun. It could be fun. There's uh, there's potential here, and uh, I like I like to see potential come to light sometimes in other media. So yeah, Bite Club. Someone do right by it, and I'd give it a chance. They won't. <laughs> it won't happen. <laughs> You're hoping for too much. Um, what do I have next? I have I have Bite Club. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've got quite a few more still, so I'll just pick a couple easy ones. Johnny Double. Heard of Johnny Double? I have not. So Johnny Double is a character from I think the '60s, like a crime, wrong side of the law, criminal, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, private investigator, I guess, in the Vertigo stuff. And one of the things I love about him is that it's... So the book was written in the late 90s, but the character is constantly stuck in the 60s. Like, he's he's like, hey, daddy-o! And he's just got this really <laughs> cheesy 60s demeanor the whole time. And it's just in, insane noir, like, you know, tons of narration and femme fatales and bullets flying and double crosses and all that. And just a really obvious noir that would make a really fun movie. In my mind, I think of it more comedic, like uh, Nice Guys. Oh, yeah? With Russell Crowe and uh, what's his name? Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Gosling. And the, the original, well, the original character, I have no idea who wrote the old stuff, but the comic that I'm thinking of was written by Brian Azzarello with, again, art by Eduardo Rizzo. So the the dream team, 100 <laughs> bullets and Hellblazer and everything else. I, I think that that would be fun and cool and like that just sweaty summer nights in fucking San Francisco shooting people and taking money. And I, don't know, I think it would be fun. <laughs> it looks like it would be fun. There's a character named The Sausage Man. I mean, come on. The Sausage Man. <laughs> You'd have a good time with that. Okay, Johnny Double. You know, this, is, this even sounds like it's written, like, putting two and two together with a sausage man about to practice his butcher skills on Johnny's body, Johnny gives up faith. <laughs> <laughs> Who would uh, play Johnny Double, do you think? I don't know. I'm a fucking guy. <laughs> a fucking guy. I don't know, I'm, not, I'm not thinking about casting right now. <laughs> Get to that. I would want him to be played by Tom Ellis as Lucifer in Johnny Double. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Hush your mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge someday. Anyway, hey, you got some really good picks there, sir. I'm gonna do one more. Have you ever heard of Prez? I have. Have not read it. Prez Rickard. Um, so that's a character that again is has been around for ages. Back in the '70s, I think was the original Prez series, but a teenage president. And then the character comes back in Sandman. And which one is that? Um, I think it's World's End. There's a story about Prez, Mr. Smiley, and all that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's. I remember a Wildcats in that story. It's weird to have a Justice Society character in a Sandman story that also features Prez and John Belushi. <laughs> <laughs> what is this world? <laughs> exactly. That's fucking Sandman. I mean, it all makes sense. It's fucking weird. <laughs> but anyway, uh, after that, there was a, mi- or a one shot, I think, by. If you just Google Prez smells, it'll come right out. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's called Prez Smells Like Teen President. It's, you know, early 90s, whatever. It was by Ed Brubaker. Holy shit, I didn't realize that. What else has he done? Um, most people will know him for writing Captain America oh. and bringing back Bucky. Oh. He's, he, yeah, brought back Bucky with the, the Winter Soldier. Okay, okay. And everyone's watching that show right now. So, yes. Which Ed Brubaker has actually been, like, complaining about that. Um, has he really? Yeah, he's so his complaint is that he's not getting any like residuals from it. Oh. It's like oh, you didn't create Bucky. I, you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you made the character popular again, but you didn't create him. You got, you got paid for writing the story, and Marvel owns that character. Oh, yeah, they, they did when they hired you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's one of those like it's not like it's not like a situation with. Jack Kirby getting fucked out of his creation. Oh, God, yeah, you know? yeah. This is a writer who is also a writer who is not doing poorly. Like, he's, he's doing well. <laughs> and he's, he owns a lot of creator-owned stuff, too. But because, like, you know, Marvel makes a lot of money, and he feels like he's entitled to a cut of that, and I don't know that he is. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't want to be that guy, but, you know. It's, <laughs> not this time around. Which is weird that that... Did not realize he wrote that because it was literally just this week that he was talking about that. Huh. That's uh, funny. The whole thing. He said it like pains him to watch that show, to see his creation on the screen and not get any money. Like, well, I mean, he also, he did get paid a bit when they adapted the Winter Soldier story. Not, probably not much because, again, he didn't create the character. He doesn't own the character at all. That's what happens when you write characters that have been around for 80 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you don't get to uh, uh, stake your claim on that gold mine. Yeah, exactly. If somebody were to adapt his criminal series or any of the other many creator-owned series that he owns, then yeah, he'll get all the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and rightfully so. I like the title. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun, weird, like, alternate universe. And I think, especially today, and especially with the last few years, it would be really cool to see... A story about the presidency, you know, again, like a teenager being president. That would just be a... a, You could say a lot about modern society through this lens. (laughs) Because we've already had a toddler as president, so it would be really cool to see a teenager president. (laughs) He couldn't possibly mess it up anymore, or could he? (laughs) Tune in. (laughs) Yeah, Prez, that's my last. Again, I've got some others, but like we briefly mentioned We Three last week. We did. That would be a cool one. Gifts of the Night would be a fun, not fun, it's not fun at all. It'd be a really dark <laughs> medieval story about power corrupting a young king okay. and like his advisors whispering in his ear. So it's all about this guy who uh, is like a storyteller, kind of. He's like an advisor for, the, for this king who's a kid. Mm-hmm. And then when the kid comes to power, he tells him bedtime stories as a way of like guiding how he should govern. You know, like, ah, oh, then the prince was really nice to the poor people, the end. You know, so he's like, I declare I'm going to be nice to the poor people. And somebody <laughs> figures that out. And so then they start weaseling in and like, oh, and then the, the king looked at the poor people and was like, you're all little bitches. You're all going to die. <laughs> and so then the king, I think poor people should die. And, uh, yeah, it's an interesting kind of uh, exploration on what power does to someone. I'd watch that. And how to guide that power. Right. The guy behind the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still looking for another good uh, medieval-based fantasy show. So, yeah. And then 100 Bullets, that was also on my list. 
Because who wouldn't want to fucking watch that? That's just a... The premise of that would make for a great TV series. It would. It just... Would. Um, for those who don't know, 100 Bullets is... It started as more of a revolving door story. Like every issue, every storyline would be a new protagonist somehow been wronged in their past. Sometimes it's an ex-con, somebody who just gets fucked over or whatever. And this well-suited gentleman named Mr. Graves approaches them and usually will lay out their issues, then hand them a gun and hand them 100 untraceable rounds and say, whatever you do with these bullets can't be traced back to you. Uh, whatever you get into while you have this gun and these bullets, like the police won't stop you. The government can't stop you. You can just go about your business and get whatever revenge you want. And so... The whole premise of it was sometimes you'd see people succeed, sometimes you'd see people fail, sometimes you'd see people give up on it, whatever. And it was just it was kind of like a litmus test of what these people were and how far they were willing to go to right the wrongs in their lives. And then it became a whole big conspiracy story and had spin-offs and all that. But I think that would be a really cool TV series. Again, kind of following that same uh, same style, I guess. Starting with with uh, revolving cast and then kind of narrowing the focus as it goes. I would watch that. I think, and that again, that's another one that even if you've never read a hundred bullets, just the concept itself is like, yeah. yeah, I'd be down for that. It was going to be turned into a video game in like the mid two thousands. There's a lot of work done on it, and then it just went away. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> that is bullshit. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come back as a uh, as a television show. One can only hope. We can see how well the next season of Doom Patrol does. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> if you want 100 bullets, watch Doom Patrol. Please. <laughs> All right. All right, we done. I think we're done. That's it. No other Vertigo story should ever be adapted. Just <laughs> these. We have set the standard. No. <laughs> I'm sure we can uh, explore more in the following episodes. But uh, no, you got some good picks there. All right. So into the show time. Like and subscribe. Be sure to share. Fucking, you can even write us if you want. We love fan mail. Do we, though? <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't gotten much, so I imagine we would if we got some. <laughs> That's what my daughter says all the time, by the way. Like, does it, though? Or, Am I, though? Or whatever. <laughs> A precocious young thing. Anything. <laughs> hey, you should, uh, you know, eat your dinner. It's really good. Is it, though? <laughs> Uh, you're right. It's one of those right. Like I, half of me just wants to be like, shut up, <laughs> and the other half's like, that was really clever. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hand it to you. Fucking got me. <laughs> Touche. Now eat your McNuggets. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Vertigo Voices or Instagram Vertigo Voices, or email us at vertigovoices at gmail dot com. Um, find us on every podcasting app. On your preferred listening platform. Yeah. There's a lot out there. We're on them all! We are. See Even you. on YouTube. We're very easy to find. really matter. Like, <laughs> right, do, do people actually listen to podcasts on YouTube? Or is it just a fucking... Is it just one of those things that, oh, I put it on everything else. I might as well just put it on YouTube. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, why not? There's Probably some... old people. <laughs> Probably old people who don't understand podcasts. We're like, well, I watched the... 
I watched that QAnon conspiracy theory on YouTube. Why don't you listen to this? <laughs> well, and so in that case, please listen to our podcast on YouTube instead of watching QAnon conspiracy theory videos. <laughs> I feel confident in saying your time and your life will be better spent. <laughs> hey, who am I? No, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> gonna be the opposing voice like fuck that fuck those people (laughs) that's not funny (laughs) thank you but no thank you but yeah um like subscribe comment you know how this stuff works please share send us love letters send us hate mail let us know what you're reading and what you would like us to talk about like colby says we may not pay any attention to it (laughs) i've stopped paying attention already (laughs) (laughs) all right we're done goodbye (laughs) Bye now.